Chapter 14 of Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dread, Chapter 14, Aunt Nesbitt's Loss. On entering the house, Nina was met at the door by Milly with a countenance of some anxiety. Miss Nina, your aunt has heard bad news this morning. Bad news? What? Well, honey, you see there has been a lawyer here, said Milly, following Nina as she was going upstairs, and she has been shut up with him all the morning, and when he come out I found her taking on quite dreadful and she says she has lost all her property oh is that all i didn't know what dreadful thing might have happened why milly this isn't so very bad she hadn't much to lose oh bless you child nobody wants to lose all they got much or little yes but you know she can always live here with us and what little money she wants to fuss with to buy new caps and paragoric for her cough and all such little matters we can give her easily enough ah miss nina your heart is free enough you'd give away both ends of the rainbow if you had em to give but the trouble is child you haven't got em why child this year great place and so many mouths opened to eat and eat child i tell you it takes heaps to keep it a-goin and harry i tell you finds it hard work to bring it even all the year round though he never says nothing to you about his troubles wants you always to walk on flowers with both hands full and never think where they come from i tell you what child we's bound to think for you a little and i tell you what i is just a goin to hire out why milly how ridiculous it ain't ridiculous now why just look on it miss nina here's miss lou dat's one here's me dat's two here's polly great grown girl three there's tom tit four all on us eatin your bread and not bringin in a cent to you cause all on us together ain't doin much more than wait on miss lou why you's got servants enough of your own to do everything that wants doin in dis year house i know miss nina young ladies don't like to hear about these things but the fact is victuals cost something and there must be some on us to bring in something now that third gentleman what talked with your aunt he said he could find me a right good place up there to the town and i was just to goin sally she's big enough now to do everything that i have been used to doin for miss lou and i am just a goin besides to tell you the truth i think miss lou has kind of set her heart upon it you know she is a weakly kind of thing don't know how to do much except sit in her chair and groan she's always been so used to having me make a way for her and when i told her about this year she kind of brightened up but milly what shall i do i can't spare you at all law bless you child don't you s'pose i's got eyes i tell you miss nina i looked that gentleman over pretty well for you and my opinion is he'll do oh come you hush you see child it wouldn't be everybody that our people would be willing to have to come on to the place here but there ain't one on em that wouldn't go in for dis year now i tell you 
there's old hundred as you calls him told me twas just as good as a meetin to hear him readin de prayers dat dar day at de funeral now you see i seen gentlemen handsome and rich and right pleasant too dat de people wouldn't want at all cause why they has their frolics and drinks and de money flies one way for dis thing and one way for dat till by and by it's all gone then comes de sheriff and the people is all sold some one way and some another way now mr clayton he ain't none of them but milly all this may be very well but if i couldn't love him law sakes miss nina you look me in the face and tell me dat dar why child it's plain enough to see through you tis so the people's all pretty sure by this time sakes alive we's used to looking out for the weather and we knows pretty well what's coming and now miss ninet you go right along and give him a good word cause you see dear lamb you need a good husband to take care of you that's what you want child girls like you has a hard life being at the head of a place especially your brother being just what he is now if you had a husband here massa tom would be quiet cause he knows he couldn't do nothing but just as long as you's alone he'll plague you but now child it's time for you to be getting ready for dinner oh but do you know milly i've something to tell you which i had liked to have forgotten i've been out to the belleville plantation and bought harry's wife you has miss nina why the lord bless you why harry was dreadful work to dish here morning about what master tom said peered like he was most crazy well i've done it i've got the receipt here why but child where alive did you get all the money to pay right sudden so mr clayton lent it to me mr clayton now child didn't i tell you so mm, do you suppose now you'd a let him lend you dat dare money if you hadn't liked him but come child hurry there's master tom and dat other gentleman coming back and you must be down to dinner the company assembled at the dinner-table was not particularly enlivening tom gordon who in the course of his morning ride had discovered the march which his sister had stolen upon him was more sulky and irritable than usual though too proud to make any allusion to the subject nina was annoyed by the presence of mr jekyll whom her brother insisted should remain to dinner aunt nesbit was uncommonly doleful of course clayton who in mixed society generally took the part of a listener rather than a talker said very little and had it not been for carson there is no saying whether any of the company could have spoken every kind of creature has its uses and there are times when a lively unthinking chatterbox is a perfect godsend those unperceiving people who never notice the embarrassment of others and who walk with the greatest facility into the gaps of conversation simply because they have no perception of any difficulty there they have their hour and nina felt positively grateful to mr carson for the continuous and cheerful rattle which had so annoyed her the day before carson drove a brisk talk with the lawyer about the value of property percentage etc he sympathized with aunt nesbitt on her last caught cold rallied tom on his preoccupation complimented nina on her improved color from her ride and seemed on such excellent terms both with himself and everybody else that the thing was really infectious 
what do you call your best investments down here land eh carson said to mr jekyll mr jekyll shook his head land deteriorates too fast besides there's all the trouble and risk of overseers and all that i've looked this thing over pretty well and i always invest in niggers ah said mr carson you do yes sir i invest in niggers that's what i do and i hire them out sir hire them out why sir if a man has a knowledge of human nature knows where to buy and when to buy and watches his opportunity he gets a better percentage on his money that way than any other now that was what i was telling mrs nesbitt this morning say now that you give one thousand dollars for a man and i always buy the best sort that's economy well and he gets uh put it at the lowest figure ten dollars a month wages and his living well you see there that gives you a pretty handsome sum for your money i have a good talent of buying i generally prefer mechanics i have got now working for me three bricklayers i own two first-rate carpenters and last month i bought a perfect jewel of a blacksmith he is an uncommonly ingenious man a fellow that will make easy his fifteen dollars a month and he is the more valuable because he has been religiously brought up why some of them now will cheat you if they can but this fellow has been brought up in a district where they have a missionary and a great deal of pains has been taken to form his religious principles now this fellow would no more think of touching a cent of his earnings than he would of stealing right out of my pocket i tell people about him sometimes when i find them opposed to religious instruction i tell them see there now you see how godliness is profitable to the life that now is you know the scriptures mrs nesbitt yes i always believed in religious education confound it all said tom i don't i don't see the use of making a set of hypocritical sneaks of them i'd make niggers bring me my money but hang it all if he came snuffling to me pretending twas his duty i'd choke him they never think so they don't and they can't and it's all hypocrisy this religious instruction as you call it no it isn't said the undiscouraged mr jekyll not when you found it on right principles take them early enough and work them right you'll get it ground into them now when they begun religious instruction there was a great prejudice against it in our part of the country you see they were afraid that the niggers would get uppish ah but you see the missionaries are pretty careful they put it in strong in the catechisms about the rights of the master you see the instruction is just grounded on this that the master stands in god's place to them damned bosh said tom gordon aunt nesbitt looked across the table as if she were going to faint but mr jekyll's composure was not in the slightest degree interrupted i can tell you he said that in a business practical view for i am used to investments that since the publishing of those catechisms and the missionaries work among the niggers the value of that kind of property has risen ten per cent they are better contented they don't run away as they used to just that simple idea that their master stands in god's place to them why you see it cuts his way i have a radical objection to all that kind of instruction said clayton aunt nesbitt opened her eyes as if she could hardly believe her hearing and pray what is your objection 
said Mr. Jekyll, with an unmoved countenance. "'My objection is that it is all a lie,' said Clayton, in such a positive tone that everybody looked at him with a start. Clayton was one of those silent men who are seldom roused to talk, but who go with a rush when they are. Not seeming to notice the startled looks of the company, he went on. "'It's a worse lie because it's told to bewilder a simple, ignorant, confiding creature.' I never could conceive how a decent man could ever look another man in the face and say such things. I remember reading in one of the missionary reports that when this doctrine was first propounded in an assembly of Negroes somewhere, all the most intelligent of them got up and walked deliberately out of the house, and I honor them for that. Good for them, said Tom Gordon. I can keep my niggers down without any such stuff as that. I have no doubt, said Clayton, that these missionaries are well-intending good men, and that they actually think the only way to get access to the Negroes at all is to be very positive in what will please the masters. But I think they fall into the same error that the Jesuits did when they adulterated Christianity with idolatry in order to get admission in Japan. A lie never works well in religion nor in morals. "'That's what I believe,' said Nina warmly. "'But then, if you can't teach them this, what can you teach them?' said Mr. Jekyll. "'Confound it all,' said Tom Gordon. "'Teach them that you've got the power. Teach them the weight of your fist. That's enough for them. I am bad enough, I know, but I can't bear hypocrisy. I show a fellow my pistol. I say to him, "'You see that, sir?' I tell him, you do so-and-so, and you shall have a good time with me, but you do that, and I'll thrash you within an inch of your life. That's my short method with niggers, and poor whites, too. When one of these canting fellows comes around to my plantation, let him see what he'll get, that's all. Mr. Jekyll appeared properly shocked at this declaration. Aunt Nesbitt took it as if it were just what she had expected, and went on eating her potato with a mournful air, as if nothing could surprise her. Nina looked excessively annoyed, and turned a sort of appealing glance upon Clayton. "'For my part,' said Clayton, "'I base my religious instruction to my people on the ground that every man and every woman must give an account of themselves to God alone, and that God is to be obeyed first and before me. Why, said Mr. Jekyll, that would be destructive of all discipline. If you're going to allow every fellow to judge for himself, among a parcel of ignorant, selfish wretches, what the will of God is, one will think it's one thing, another will think it's another, and there will be an end of all order. It would be absolutely impossible to govern a place in that way. They must not be left an ignorant set, said Clayton. They must be taught to read the scriptures for themselves and be able to see that my authority accords with it. If I command anything contrary to it, they ought to oppose it. Ah, I should like to see a plantation managed in that way, said Tom Gordon scornfully. Please God, you shall see such an one, if you'll come to mine, said Clayton, where I should be very happy to see you, sir. The tone in which this was said was so frank and sincere that Tom was silenced and could not help a rather sullen acknowledgment. "'I think,' said Mr. Jekyll, "'that you'll find such a course, however well it may work at first, will fail at last. 
you begin to let people think and they won't stop where you want them to they'll go too far it's human nature the more you give the more you may give you once get a fellow to thinking and asking all sorts of questions and they get discontented at once i've seen that thing tried in one or two instances and it didn't turn out well fellows got restless and discontented the more it was given to them the more dissatisfied they grew till finally they put for the free states very well said clayton if that's to be the result they may all put as soon as they can get ready if my title to them won't bear an intelligent investigation i don't wish to keep them but i never will consent to keep them by making false statements to them in the name of religion and presuming to put myself as an object of obedience before my maker i think said mr carson mr clayton shows an excellent spirit excellent spirit on my word i think so i wish some of our northern agitators who make such a fuss on this subject could hear him i'm always disgusted with these abolitionists producing such an unpleasantness between north and south interrupting trade and friendship and all that sort of thing he shows an excellent spirit said mr jekyll but i must think he is mistaken if he thinks that he can bring up people in that way under our institutions and not do them more harm than good it's a notorious fact that the worst insurrections have arisen from the reading of the bible by these ignorant fellows that was the case with nat turner in virginia that was the case with denmark vesey and his crew in south carolina i tell you sir it will never do this turning out a set of ignorant people to pasture in the bible that blessed book is a savior of life unto life when it's used right but it's a savior of death unto death when ignorant people take a hold of it the proper way is this administer such portions only as these creatures are capable of understanding this admirable system of religious instruction keeps the matter in our own hands by allowing us to select for them such portions of the word as are best fitted to keep them quiet dutiful and obedient and i venture to predict that whoever undertakes to manage a plantation on any other system will soon find it getting out of his hands so you're afraid to trust the lord's word without holding the bridle said tom with a sneer that's pretty well for you i am not said clayton i am willing to resign any rights to any one that i am not able to defend in god's word any that i cannot make apparent to any man's cultivated reason i scorn the idea that i must dwarf a man's mind and keep him ignorant and childish in order to make him believe any lie i choose to tell him about my rights over him i intend to have an educated intelligent people who shall submit to me because they think it clearly for their best interests to do so because they shall feel that what i command is right in the sight of god but it's my opinion said tom that both these ways of managing are humbugs one way make hypocrites and the other makes rebels the best way of educating is to show folks that they can't help themselves all the fussing and arguing in the world isn't worth one dose of certainty on that point just let them know that there are no two ways about it and you'll have all still enough 
from this point the conversation was pursued with considerable warmth till nina and aunt nesbit rose and retired to the drawing-room perhaps it did not materially discourage clayton in the position he had taken that nina with the frankness usual to her expressed the most eager and undisguised admiration of all that he said didn't he talk beautifully wasn't it noble she said to aunt nesbit as she came in the drawing-room and that hateful jekyll isn't he mean child said aunt nesbit i'm surprised to hear you speak so mr jekyll is a very respectable lawyer an elder in the church and a very pious man he has given me some most excellent advice about my affairs he is going to take milly with him and find her a good place he's been making some investigations nina and he's going to talk to you about them after dinner he's discovered that there's an estate in mississippi worth a hundred thousand dollars that ought properly to come to you i don't believe a word of it said nina don't like the man think he is hateful don't want to hear anything he has to say don't believe in him nina how often have i warned you against such sudden prejudices against such a good man too you won't make me believe he's good not if he were elder in twenty churches well but child at any rate you must listen to what he has got to say your brother will be very angry if you don't and it really is important at any rate you ought not to offend tom when you can help it that's true enough said nina and i'll hear and try to behave as well as i can i hope the man will go some time or other i don't know why but his talk makes me feel worse than tom's swearing that's certain aunt nesbit looked at nina as if she considered her in a most hopeless condition End of chapter 14 Aunt Nesbitt's Loss